Hey everyone, my name is Ashawn, your host for this episode of the Public Health Insight Podcast, and I'm here with my sometimes best friend, Gordon Thane. Research plays a pivotal role in advancing our understanding of public health challenges and shaping evidence-based interventions. Whether you're a student, professional looking to expand your horizons, or someone really passionate about making a difference, this episode is for you. We're going to uncover valuable insights, practical strategies, and give expert advice on how to navigate the landscape of research opportunities in public health. Get ready and let's go. You're listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for all things public health and global health, from the sustainable development goals to the social determinants of health, as well as interesting dialogues about the diverse career opportunities that exist in these fields. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so other people like you can benefit from our content. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not necessarily represent any of the agencies or organizations we work for or are affiliated with. All right, Gordon, are you a researcher? Yes or no? I wouldn't consider myself a researcher. Okay. I have an appreciation for research and I can interpret research. But I wouldn't consider myself a researcher. Okay, so mm. even though you don't consider yourself a researcher, mm. could you tell me why research in public health is important for what you do as a public health program manager? Mm-hmm. So even though I'm not a researcher, I do appreciate research and I do understand how to interpret and I understand the value of researching and I do lead teams of researchers as well. So I do appreciate that. And reason it is important is because it's a foundation of everything that we do. In terms of doing work, you typically think of how, what, where, when, why. I think those are the ones. Okay. And you need to, in order to know what you're looking at or what the problem is, there has to be some kind of investigation or research that will inform how you go about it, why you go about it, where you're going to allocate resources to, and when is the best time to do so. So that's why research is critical. And it helps you prioritize, make certain decisions, allocate specific resources to build or enhance programs and services as it relates to public health. So that's why it's super, super important. Right. And just to kind of broaden your horizons a bit more, we know that there's several different areas in public health where you could conduct research, right? You have environmental health, indigenous health, social determinants of health, health policy, environmental health, mental health, global health. So the possibilities are unlimited. And even within those fields, there are subfields where you can do more research to advance that specific area and others. Yeah. So with that and, in mind, oh, yeah, Gordon. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I'm glad you broke it down like that because you might look at the data. The data says we're seeing a disproportionate impact on this community. Mm-hmm. But the data itself, the quantitative data that at, at that level doesn't really tell you the why. Mm-hmm. Right. So I talked about 
the research kind of helps you with the what, the research can also help you with the why. So mm-hmm. if you're finding that a certain community is disproportionately impacted by some specific disease, doing some kind of qualitative research mm-hmm. around that, interviewing people, focus groups might help you determine the driving factors behind that difference. And then you're able to better address it at the program level or policy level. Absolutely. So with those given areas, there's so many, you might be wondering, how do I find out what I like? What is my passion in public health? And what are some of my career goals within this public health field? So it might get really daunting to think about where am I going to dedicate my energy to do research. So the question ultimately becomes identifying your research area and interest. And how does that fulfill some of your goals? So how would we get people to consider, you know, some of their strengths and previous experiences and areas of expertise to help narrow down that list to find what they would like to pursue in their research endeavors? I have a question to ask you back for that. So just thinking through the stages in someone's career where they can do this and engage in it, I'm reflecting in my undergrad. Mm-hmm. I saw, because it was more the the kind of lab-based research, it, it wasn't really my thing, and it kind of mm-hmm. turned me off altogether. Yeah, And I think one of the barriers for students exploring research is how it's framed early on Mm. i didn't know that you could have any research being conducted outside of a lab Mm. the halfway through my undergrad it was you design an experiment you do some stuff in the test tube and then you do i didn't know you could have sociology based research Mm. out in the community learning about populations learning about policies learning about the impact. So I think the literacy on research Mm. for undergrad students needs to be improved or more accessible because I had a very narrow-minded view on what research was. And had I known earlier on, I probably would have done things a little bit differently. So for those of you listening who Mm. maybe think about research in the way that I just described, I challenge you to think more broadly about it. And look for opportunities to learn more because even though you may not like research right now, it just means that maybe you don't like the research that you're currently doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to come to defend you a bit, we did both Mm. come from more microbiology, biochemistry backgrounds. And a lot of the time it is wet lab based work with test tubes. You're using PCR, QPCR, microscopy, right? So I don't blame you. And again, I do agree that that's kind of the narrative when we're in those undergrad programs. But yeah, community-based research is a thing. Mm. Uh, And it's not just quantitative research. There's qualitative research, like you mentioned, getting out there, talking to people, learning more about some of the reasons why these things are happening, and then taking that to the next step to do more research and more investigation. Like I was reading a book and like I wouldn't recommend this, but I just found it interesting. <laughs> you wouldn't recommend the book you're about to No, talk no, about. like what, what this person did. So they okay. were doing their master's or PhD. Yeah. And it was in an impoverished community in the States. Mm-hmm. And they what they did was just they wanted to understand sort of 
the drug issues of drug dealing in the community and the crime. Mm-hmm. And they interviewed drug dealers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they got some really rich data about why people did it, yep. the motivating factors. And they were <laughs> able to tease out from an economic perspective when the the price or demand of the drug fell low enough, then the drug became less desirable. And then there was no more crime around that drug. So it was very interesting that just their interest in why communities suffer from crime and violence and, and drugs permeating through the community, that can that in of itself is a research, potential research area. So really anything that you're interested in at all is a research area. And I didn't know that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and consider your strengths. Someone's like, researching it. Exactly. Consider your strengths. What have you done in the past? What do you enjoy? And there's a lot of value of knowing what you don't like in what you're doing already. So consider those factors. There's so much to explore. Personally, I've been in more than 10 different labs, varying from immunology, microbiology, biochemistry, public health, global health, uh, health policy. So there's so many different avenues you could take with research. And there's even advocacy with a lot of the stuff you can do, right? So combining those efforts. At what stage did you, because I know you have a lot of research experience, LaShawn, at, mm-hmm. at what stage did you evolve your research interests from sort of the lab to more community-based, public health-based research? And like, what was that moment or shift? Like, when did that happen? I think for me, I've I've been in so many different work opportunities and volunteer opportunities where I've been in the lab doing so many different tasks, pipetting up and down, doing qPCR, so many different tasks that are common in biochemistry and biology. And I just kind of reflected a bit about why I'm doing the things I'm doing and what kind of impact does it lead to. And of course, we all know and can agree on foundational scientific research that are done in wet labs bolster everyone's well-being once it gets translated into those spaces where it could benefit others. However, I felt like I had, my personality was more suited towards interacting with people, learning about people's motivations behind things, learning about health behaviors. And a lot of that insight comes from outside of more clinical-based labs, talking to people, doing focus groups, doing thematic analysis on a lot of the information that gets gathered and using those insights to help support programming and make changes in a very timely fashion. Mm. So I think it naturally progressed where I probably had reached a saturation point Mm. of doing wet labs. And I kind of just evolved my interest outside of that to learn different things. And we did an episode recently on continuous learning. There's other avenues other than wet labs that you can pursue and learn more about. And you get different types of insights. So it was more just a natural progression. I definitely liked my time in a wet lab, but mm. I also like learning new things. I hated it. <laughs> it's okay to hate. I know a lot okay. of people hate it. For sure. I, I did realize, mm-hmm. like really recently, I think we talked about this, that like I didn't even know implementation research was a thing. Yeah. And then when I kind of learned more about it, I was like, wow, this is exactly what I would want to be doing where you're doing something and looking at why it's working, why it's not working and how Mm -hmm. to improve it for, for the future, scale it up. It's incredible. 
because yeah. it's very practical, practical in its application. And that's what drew me to implementation research. And that's probably if you're a public health practitioner on the ground, that's probably what your research would look like more so on a day-to-day basis where you're not really generating completely new knowledge, mm-hmm. but more knowledge specific to certain communities yeah. and specific to certain health topics, to certain health issues, specific to a particular intervention. Mm-hmm. That's something that that's where I found that I thrived in for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You're looking at feasibility, acceptability, mm-hmm. just because one intervention works at one location doesn't necessarily mean it'll work on that another location. So again, looking through those factors, the motivations, barriers, facilitators behind a program, how to improve the program on the fly. And it really talks about iterative processes to help feedback on the work that you're currently doing, which is very real time. And again, like you said, it's it's an area that's very important in public health. So with all that in mind, there are a lot of areas that you could pursue and narrow your interest. You could try a bunch of different things like LaShawn, just go everywhere, try different things, see what you like about it, see what you don't like, and kind of navigate through there. So let's actually take a bit of time to talk about how to get these opportunities. How do you find them? Where do I look? Who do I talk to? That sort of stuff. Am I asking the right person? <laughs> well, from a let's start with the interest part of it and like we'll come to the research side of it after. There's a lot of ways where you can learn more about something that you're interested in from a professional sense. And of course, since the pandemic, there's been more opportunities to attend conferences virtually and seminars virtually that would have been previously inaccessible to many people around the world. So that has now become more accessible. There's been more in-person conferences starting back up, but I don't see virtual ones going away completely either. So I think there will always be more accessible. So that's a good way to flesh out. Like if you yourself are having difficulty knowing the depth of a certain area, why not go to a certain setting where experts are telling you mm-hmm. about the different possibilities that you can explore with this particular interest? So I found that to be the most effect, the most effective for me in learning about, oh, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you could do that. And then that leads you to a networking opportunity where you can ask that person, that presenter, the author of that particular abstract or or poster about their work and maybe how you can get more involved in that so that's that's a good area for me where you have the webinars and the conferences and maybe even some workshops as well that you can build some skills if there's some researchers offering that so it's easier said than done so how Mm -hmm. do you actually interact with someone that you think you can do research with at a conference. What do you say? It's intimidating. There's a lot of people there, a lot of people in different seats asking different intimidating questions. And maybe you're just a student, early career professional, mid-career professional, and you're like, just starting to learn about this area. What can I possibly add? And what can I possibly say that would generate interest from this person I'm trying to connect with? My approach is just like any other conversation. So if I found out that I'm... I was born in Jamaica. If LaShawn went to Jamaica, I'd be interested. Look, tell me what you did. What did mm-hmm. Why did you go to that resort? Why did you go this way? Oh, really? Did you go there? Oh, that's great. 
So approach it from a place of interest. So mm-hmm. you're not really approaching it. Now, what can I say? This person has been researching for 50 years. You're not going to say, so, well, I shouldn't say you're not going to, but it's unlikely that you'll have anything sh- game changing or, <laughs> or to, to mention to them based on that listening to one hour of their presentation. What you can do is explore that interest with them. People like mm-hmm. talking about themselves, what mm-hmm. they do. They've committed 50 25 whatever however many years to a certain research area i think they're probably gonna like to talk about it i think Mm -hmm. that's safe to say so go up to them hey i'm curious why you chose this approach i'm aware of x y and z and i'm not really following this or just to tell them that you're excited about what they're doing pick out something specific that they said and ask them more questions about it something that you're interested in and there that might lead it down a pathway where if you have enough questions, I might say, hey, here's my business card. We should really talk more about this later. And you're not even the one that had to ask, mm-hmm. they, but they could feel and sense it from your curiosity that you're someone that they should engage with. So start from a place of interest and curiosity, I would say, and that's probably the highest value approach I would recommend. And please, 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 please do not, as your first question to them, ask if they have opportunities in their lab or research team. Mm, Please yeah. do not do that. There have been so many instances where I'm talking to PIs and I'm already in their lab and I see other people asking these types of questions without any sort of context or effort put in to talk to the, the principal investigator or lead research lead. And they don't, they can't really say much. They usually say no, or, you know, it's not a good look. So Again, have an interest-based approach, you know, be genuinely interested in what they're talking about, do your research, read a couple of their papers, talk to them, listen carefully to what they're saying at this conference, ask meaningful questions. It's okay to ask quote unquote dumb questions, but at the end, you're not really looking for a specific opportunity or job offer. Sure you are in your mind, but you're not necessarily asking them straight up. Let them potentially ask for more connections and extend that business card. Or after the conference, after you made that good first impression, you can further back that enthusiasm up with the follow-up email saying, hey, thanks for sharing your insight. I've been looking into this field for a while. I've read your paper on XYZ. I found these findings in your discussion and results section really interesting. Would love to learn more set up a one-on-one meeting if they have time and you could say at their convenience and, you know, see where it goes from there. A lot of the times it may not work, but you're increasing the chances and odds of this strategy working. Right. Two things I want to pick up on there. Mm -hmm. So one, let's say you need research experience for something like you need it. Mm -hmm. You don't really want to wait till you need, need, need it to, do these interactions. I think that's where it comes from, LaShawn, where yeah. the first thing out of people, oh, do you have an opportunity? Because they know yeah. at the end of the summer or whatever it is, they are required to have some kind of research experience and it comes yeah. across maybe a little bit desperate. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing it, just exploring your interest and curiosity more regularly, you can kind of do it at a more normal pace instead of escalating it that quickly. And think about it this way. The second thing, how many times you get to make a first impression face-to-face with a potential employer because if it's a leading researcher chances are you could get 
compensated for your work. So they're mm-hmm. you're essentially reporting to them. Imagine applying to a job and then you can actually have a face to face with the manager. Mm-hmm. They already know you you're talking to them. They can yeah put two and two together that you're interested. So no need to really say, do you have an opportunity? That's your chance to impress them in a different way mm-hmm. by being curious about the work, by being informed about, about the work, by being educated about the work and leave them with a thought in their head. Wow, that person might be good for this. And then play it out in a bit of a long game and not make that ask initially. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing is while you're at these in-person conferences or virtual conferences, Try presenting some of the work that you've done, whether it's an oral presentation format or a poster presentation. The poster presentation is a very good finesse because obviously you're presenting your research. A lot of people are coming by and asking questions about the work you're doing, often in related areas. So Mm. if you're a sweet talker like Gordon, you'd be able to, you know, make those really good connections and see where those take you. Right. Mm. And so... Another strategy is if you're already in school, it makes it much easier. You're in your undergrad or master's program or PhD program makes it much easier. You could talk to your profs. They could directly give you connections to other collaborators. That's it. That's all. It makes it very easy. If you're a student in a classroom and the professor is teaching a course, go to the office hours, talk to them about the course, show you're passionate about it. And that's an easy email once that semester is over because they know you and you can contribute to the work that they're already doing because you have a good understanding of them. They have a good understanding of you, but halt because Mm. not every single time will it be a paid opportunity. My approach actually, and I'm very lucky to have been in this position is there are some opportunities I really wanted. And I know there wasn't funding at that particular moment. So I volunteered my time and Mm. skills to be able to make my mark in that lab. And a lot of the times you'll find researchers have a hard time saying no to (laughs) free work, especially if it's being done by someone who's very passionate and competent at what they're doing. And that opportunity over time, maybe a couple months, a bit longer, can lead to more paid permanent position in that lab once you have your foot in the door. So also don't neglect those opportunities, right? And then for individuals who, you know, may be out of school for a while, maybe like myself and Gordon, who've been working for some time and want to get back into research, the best thing that I find you could do other than going to conferences, meeting face-to-face is sending an email, but not just any email. You want to make sure that, like I said earlier, you put in the effort, you put in the work to understand the person's interest, research, initiatives, etc. One of the cool things you can do is try building connections early on. If they're alumni at your university, mention that. If you listen to a podcast that they were on, mention that. If you saw their video on YouTube, mention that. Is there a particular area of a paper that you read in their publication that was interesting? mention that. Be as specific as possible. Introduce yourself briefly and just show them that you took the time and work to understand their area, not obviously as an expert, but as an enthusiastic, curious learner. And on top of that, 
in that email, you also don't want to make it seem like you can solve all their research issues and you're going to be the best and you're going to make sure that they don't do bad research practices. No, that's offensive. I've heard that comment from one of my supervisors that someone actually said, I can make you do good science. Okay, <laughs> that's not a good first impression. But it's actually interesting, especially as a researcher, you get so many emails and I've seen inboxes full of requests for volunteer opportunities, paid opportunities from potential uh, students, professionals wanting to do research. So how do you stick out in a field that has so much interest in these areas? So let me ask you this. For people who this is oh, okay, this is great, LaShawn. Mm -hmm. I'm more outgoing and extroverted and I can do this. I can take this on for them. Folks who are a little bit more shy who just want to maybe stay home and find stuff using their computer and the internet. Like how would they go about doing that? <laughs> I consider myself introverted. So <laughs> those are steps that I take, but I would encourage you to find an extroverted friend like a Gordon and, you know, get his mm -hmm. advice and his take on how to interact in different situations and how to encourage you to make that next step and pay or pay for his ticket to the conference and maybe yeah. he'll go. Uh, yeah. He could be your wing person in yeah. your, in the conference. Hey, have you met LaShawn? Have yeah. you met Gordon? Yeah, that, that could be effective too. But all, all jokes aside, you know, emails, even though they are less intrusive, less pressure to know what to say on the fly, emails expect to not hear back expect for no reply. That should kind of be the baseline expectation. You could write this amazingly worded email that LaShawn uh, told me to write and not get a response. Actually, I've been rejected many more times than I've been accepted to these inquiries about research opportunities. Sometimes they get back. Most of the time they don't get back. And when they do get back, sometimes they just say, no, we're full. We don't have the funding right now. Right? So that for me is the baseline when sending out these type of emails, just, you know, the expectation of not hearing back and not to take that personally. Mm. So as someone who might be more introverted and sending out this email, don't take it personally. It's okay. It's happened to me many times. It's just a matter of continuing to put yourself out there, find opportunities, talk to your friends. Your friends who may also be in public health or healthcare space, health field, they might have opportunities that you may be interested in, and it makes it more of a warm connection. So mm -hmm. it takes out that awkwardness sometimes of not knowing the person. So And sometimes even like the good old university websites or, yeah. or government agencies will post stuff too, right? Like research yeah. assistant or research analyst yeah, or something like that. So. That's a way for a more traditional application process that takes mm -hmm. out the networking, but it's all it's also good to do them in combination, right? Yeah, like during my master's program, I was involved in several research labs, right? Mm. So doing that, and I'll say one thing, it's almost like once you get in, you're in type of thing. Once you're in mm. these research opportunities, I found that you get dragged into other research opportunities through collaborations and collaborators and Obviously, you might be wondering why we're talking about research so much. We talked about the importance in public health, but how can it benefit you as a professional in the field? Well, you're learning collaboration skills, interpersonal skills, report writing skills, 
how to engage in the scientific methodology, how to get involved in grant writing, request for proposals, how to clear ethics board approval, and how to write a peer-reviewed publication and going through that process. And at the end of the day, you might have the opportunity to have a deliverable where you're a published author on a paper, first author, second author, last author, it doesn't matter. It's a good feather under your cap to show that you are and have been engaged in research and you have expertise in that area. So it's good stuff for your professional development, for sure. We talked about a lot of things today, as usual. What are your parting words to the people listening today, wondering about research opportunities? Maybe they haven't ever done any sort of research. What would you say to them? And why do you think they should pursue any sort of research opportunities? in order to not introduce anything new in the conclusion, I'll just reiterate <laughs> this one thing. So start from a place of interest. There's yeah. things, interest comes in many forms. It's things that you might find yourself naturally gravitating towards to learn more, whether it's Google searching, could even be looking, maybe you have a specific interest in the types of Netflix shows that you watch with air pollution or whatever, mm-hmm. or you might have, you know, things that you talk to your friends about very often clearly shows that you have a baseline interest in it and then when you kind of bring the professional lens in is that an area that you would be passionate about researching or working in and then just looking for like we we using the tips that we mentioned in this podcast to look for those opportunities but start from a place of interest not a place of research and that's kind of where i went wrong in my undergrad it's sort of research is a good thing thou shall do research versus Hey, man, what are you interested in? Okay, public health, infectious diseases. You know that like you could do research and that involves health professionals in a healthcare setting and the patients. Like It's a totally different thing and you, you have options to pursuing different domains even within a specific area. But you don't get there if you don't start with the interest first. Absolutely. And again... If you want researchers to reply to your email, make sure you follow Public Health Insight Podcast on your Mm. platform that you're listening to us on currently, and the good vibes and good luck will be on your side. Mm. So with that, now that you have a deeper understanding of the importance of research in public health and ways to get involved, tips and strategies that Gordon and I have shared through our career, we wish you the best of luck. Don't be a stranger. Send us an email if you have more questions. Mm. And let's continue to make strides. Mm. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See you in the next one.